This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Skate Podcast on weei.com and the radio.com app. Talking Bruins in the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah, yeah. With Ken Laird from the Craig Hill Morning Show. That's evidently what Ken Laird wants you to believe. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Calman. Everything gonna be all right? <laughs> Lace him up for some bees talk right now. It's the Skate Pod. Some Skate, I'll give it a B, B plus. On WEEI. Here we go, another edition of the Skate Podcast. It is Larry Calman. Hello, Matt. Uh, just back from Wednesday practice. So the Bruins getting ready for some division clashes Thursday night, of course. Schedule finally gets interesting. Yeah, it finally does. Tampa and then uh, the home and home in Toronto. We have Red River joining us shortly. Not officially today. We'll give him a little plug. Red River sponsors the skate. Also, we've got Doug McLean, big-time guest, joining us in just about five minutes here on the podcast. Good get by you. He's a freelancer these days, right, we think? Yeah, we think. We'll have to find out. But Coach One, one of the best uh, best analysis an analyst that uh, I've listened to in the last few years and a uh, guy who's done everything, coaching, GMing, all over the place, different cities. It's it's, it's, uh, it's a shame that he's not on the air more now. Yeah, we'll get uh, the update from Doug and get his thoughts on the Bruins, of course, and some of their pl- uh, pros and cons here in a second. Don't forget, you can follow us on iTunes, and we hope you subscribe to us there. Give us a review. Give us a positive review, for that matter. Stitcher, uh, Google Play, Radio.com with a new Rewind feature, which is uh, pretty awesome for the live content, too. All right, uh, Pasternak coming off the four-goal game. That's the big uh, story yeah. of the week uh, as we lead into the division matchups. The um, Every time you mention the top-line success, now it's followed by, of course, secondary scoring struggling. Yeah, that's the problem here, right? Um, at, least they, at least the Bruins, it took them a couple of days. I wrote about it. No one wanted to acknowledge it. Two days later, Pasternak scores four goals, no one else does anything, and then everyone's on this bandwagon, secondary scoring. It's like, why don't you follow the leader? <laughs> oh, my God. I told you all along this is the issue here. But, you know, they've proven – until they're disproven, this is the formula for success, right? First line, fourth line, and then if you get anything from the middle lines, as long as the goalies play out of their mind and the uh, and the defense is sound enough, they they get by. Maybe that's the way you do it in the regular season. Yeah, I was thinking of this uh, coming in. Like, would you rather have goalie issues, like like yeah. subpar backup or secondary scoring issues? Right, exactly. They definitely would want to go with the way the Bruins are, and I think a lot of teams are thinking this way. Uh, we know Colorado is undefeated going into Wednesday night's action, and they have the the line with all the three guys on it. Uh, Tampa's coming in here Thursday. They're doing the same thing. they got point playing with Stamkos and Kucherov now. Maybe this is the the wave that teams are doing that if we just crank out – because in the, in the way the league is played now, the games are so tight, 
if you put the three best offensive players together and you get three goals, the odds are you're going to win unless you're San Jose or someone with, with goaltending issues. Yeah, well, the way the Bruins have managed to construct the team, it's like you get enough offense from those guys in the specialty play and you can still maintain your defensive structure. Right. And you pointed this out. I want to get into this after Doug McLean. It's not just secondary scoring. The points from the D, this gets back to the McAvoy issue and some of the preseason talk. Yeah. You know, they're not getting a ton of points from those guys. Well, not getting points, and they're not necessarily playing great defensively, especially in second periods. I mean, there's a reason why Tuca and Halak are facing 15, 16 shots every second period. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the second period was ugly. But but just to focus on Pasenak for a second, yeah. his success in that game, First of all, it's it's based on Hampus Lindholm having an awful game. The guy was it's just <laughs> right. brutal. What a what a terrible performance individually. It's but funny because his quote after, if you saw it, was, uh, "Well, Pasternak had one of those games where the puck just finds you." No, you gave him the puck. I mean, you gave him position. <laughs> it wasn't you gave any him the puck divine twice. intervention here. This is Hampus Lindholm setting him up. No, but like uh, the forecheck of like I think it was DeBrusque off the face yep. off caused the first one. Right. Uh, and Marchand, you know, obviously you got to give him credit on on the second and the fourth for the setups. Sure. But is Pasternak an elite – we know he's a great talent. Now, yeah. You're, like, parsing words now. But is, is his success based on playing with those guys and the chemistry they've built? Uh, are they making it easy for him? Obviously, he has talent. He's got the release. He's got the big shot. Uh, is he, like, in the Ovechkin world of yeah, goal I mean, scorers he could be, on his own? because well, he's only 23. So is he there right this second? No. Can he develop into that? Sure. Um, he might be better off at some point not being with those with Bergeron and, and Martian. And you know what? Uh, 23 years old, and with how many years left on his contract, at some point he will be just because there won't be a Patrice Bergeron out there at some true, point, you would true. think. Um, but, yeah, for sure. And you know, the thing is, it used to be it was easier on him playing with those guys because you knew he could cheat a little bit and those guys wouldn't. But he doesn't cheat as much anymore, and you see him hitting a little bit, and you see him in on the forecheck, you see him being more responsible, and it's coming around. So maybe he's a little better than Ovechkin at this point. You know, at this point in their careers, because there is other parts of his game, he's not not just a pure goal scorer, and I'm sure he does, he doesn't want to be that. So you think if he played a full season with Krejci and DeBrusque, he'd have the same numbers? He'd well, be a thirty goal guy plus. I, ideally, he would, I think, but you know, it's hard to say what those yeah. guys would would be doing. I mean, uh, let's 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 let Jake Jake DeBrusque off the hook right now. He's not exactly you know no. tearing it up. He's had some chances based just on his speed, but as far as just going to the net and creating things five on five, we're not really seeing much of that. And he's frustrated, right? Like visibly oh, yeah. frustrated. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, they all are. Hein and Coyle, they're all very frustrated at this point. And uh, yeah, it's good to see that they're frustrated. They're not just they're not just saying, "Oh, we'll just let the yeah. first line score." Well, despite being five and one. Um, well, that's just it. Is this? Is this? We're going to find out now. I mean, this is the three games where you're going to learn whether five and one is real or five and one is just fake. Now, you know, this will be released Thursday morning. You saw Krejci over at practice for half a practice. What's the latest on Krejci's injury? And uh, day-to-day, aren't we all, as they say. But But it's an upper body. This is not related to the— They said maybe there was a check from Getzlaff at one point or an elbow from someone. It Uh, looked like a back to me as he was skating off and then went down the tunnel. He was kind of leaning over. Yeah, it could be a back or a shoulder. You know, he's had back problems in the past, though, so that could have been it. could just be spasm-type thing after taking a check. But, uh, you know, not a good sign. I feel like this is going to be something— we're going to talk about it for a while this season, and it, it just it hurts their lineup because for all the depth that they have, they don't really have depth in Providence that's ready to come up and step in, uh, unless you're going to lean on a Paul Carey or a Brandon Gaunt or something. So uh, you put Lindholm into the middle, and then you're putting you know Brett Ritchie gets bumped up, and and that middle six gets mixed. But maybe maybe it works in their favor because maybe what. Brett Ritchie needs is to play with Coyle and DeBrusque and get his legs moving more. I never know. Well, now you say there's no depth, but now I'm going to read the latest Anders Bjork update, yeah, the weekly update. This it. is from our guy. Um, 
Bruins Network? No, no, no. Oh, I don't know. That's our buddy. Oh, Diver. This is from our buddy Mark okay. Diver. Anders Bjork had a good weekend, played two more excellent three-zone games. Yes. Goal against Rochester, goal and an assist against Springfield. As of Sunday night, held the P Bruins, led the P Bruins, and was among the league leaders in points. Three goals, two assists, five points in four games. So is Bjork, now he's not a centerman. Right. Uh, well, is he close? That's just it. Right now he's not a centerman. He's very close. I think my tweet was uh, Providence goes on a road trip. They're in Laval, I think, Wednesday night, and then they've got like three more road games that go into next week. Um, by the end of that road trip, if things are going the way they are in the middle six, I, I think you'll see him. At the very least, they'll come up and give him a, a taste for a little bit and then maybe see how it goes. Um, Kretschy being out, though, maybe hurts that. Although you could you because, slot Lindholm in, right? Well, right for now they're going to slide Lindholm in, no doubt. He's going to play. He's going to play the middle and uh, in that in that third line with yep. Coyle bumped up. And today it was or Wednesday it was Coyle, DeBrusque, Richie, Lindholm, Heinen, Kuhlman. So and that's that's the way they played the game. Gretchen missed too. It didn't start that way, but they ended up mixed, changing that like two shifts into the game. And it's not terrible to do that. I, I think Gretchen being out would maybe postpone Bjork coming up because you'd want. Bjork to play uh, on a on a st- steady line on a right, deep forward right. core. You don't want to put too much on him. Um, if you're going to call up somebody that to play the middle, it would be Frederick or a gone somebody like that. So although Frederick and our guy Zach Sinishin, <laughs> zero 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 through four games. Yeah, so. but, and they're undefeated, so you know they they can get by. I guess that you know that's the way they have the great goaltending going too. <laughs> so look at the happy. It's, it's like a mirror image of the Boston <laughs> Bruins. <laughs> right. All right, more on this and other Bruins issues on the backside of our big interview, but let's get to our special guest of the day. All right, special guest this week is Doug McLean. You know him. He's been a hockey lifer, coach, general manager, uh, of course, a media star, and uh, we have him on to talk a little Bruins from afar. How are you, Doug? Thanks for coming on. No problem. I'm a big Bruins fan now that I'm not working anymore. It's great. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing now? <laughs> other than watching for the, other than watching actually, the Bruins. <laughs> actually, I'm... Uh, I'm in Florida right now. I just come down to our place here, so we'll spend winter here. But I, you know, I'm pretty busy. I was in PEI all summer, Prince Edward Island, and I've got a lot of real estate stuff there going on. So I've been busy, and uh, it's been fun. So nothing hockey-wise. I've had lots of people talk to me about doing little things here and there, but nothing concrete. And I'm uh, look, I turned 65 in April, and uh, I had a 42-year run, and I'm kind of excited to do nothing for a while, to be quite <laughs> honest. Well, I got to say, doing nothing. I'm kind of really excited about it. As a matter of fact, I got a cigar and I'm going over to the beach this afternoon. Oh right. wow! Well, you can enjoy doing nothing, but my my weekday afternoons aren't the same because I, you know, I got used to downloading the podcast and listening to you and, and Kipper and, and Shannon and you know the the great voices of uh, of, of hockey from up north here. And, yeah, you know, a kind of boring afternoons Look, now. It was funny. It, you know what I. You know, I was in the NHL for 22 years, and then I had like a 10 or 11 year run at Sportsnet. It was a it was a ball. I mean, Kipper and I had a ton of fun, and uh, Shannon was great, and uh, you know, all the guys were terrific, and uh, it was really a, a great time. I, I've known for a year that that my contract expired in June, and I've known for a year that uh, that you know the the renewals were going to be uh, tougher at, at dramatic decreases, and. Uh, I was prepared for it, and I was really comfortable with it. So I, I'm one of the lucky ones. So I, you know, it was a ball though. That was a fun show, and it, it shocked me. Like I'd go into Chicago. My son's a, an Asian in Chicago. I'd go around a little bit with him, and the people that talked to me about that noon hour show was sure. was unbelievable. Or in Canada, wherever I was, it was amazing the number of people that that followed Hockey Central at noon. So it was it was a it was a great fun gig 
for for a long time. So I, I you know I miss it a little bit, but not that much. So what are you thinking of right now about as far as the Bruins and uh, you know getting off to a fast start coming off the game seven? Are you surprised that they were able to start so fast? And, and what have you thought of the way they're playing? Yeah, you know what I'm, I'm sort of you know a little surprised at how well they played. You know they they go on the road in some tough situations and played and played well. I mean, look, they've they've got a tremendous leadership group there. Uh, Tukarask really, to me, went to another level last year, especially in that Columbus series where, where he had to go head to head with Bobrovsky, who was coming off a great Tampa series, and and he outplayed Bobrovsky for me, and he he was a real difference maker in that series. But when you look at Marchand and and Bergeron, Pasternak, and and you go, I mean, Krejci was solid. Jake Bobrovsky, good young kid. I mean, Coyle was a good acquisition, and of course, my favorite player on the team, Sean Corrali. That's who, right. You know, I started the AAA program in Columbus when I was there. Sean was a kid that joined our program at six years of age and went through the whole program. So I just love the way he plays. And uh, I looked the other night, it was like second or third in ice time amongst forwards in a big road win. So this guy, I just love the character of the whole group. And I haven't even got to the to the Chara, Charas and the McAvoys and the Krugs and, and Carlos and on and on. I mean, I, I just think they've got a really good mix there. Cassidy's done a good job. Sweeney's done a good job. Um, so it's a real nice mix of veterans. I, I, you know what? I, I talk to young people in that organization, and they say that the way they're treated by the veterans, especially a guy like Marchand, who really sort of surprised me, that he's been unbelievable with the young kids in that dressing room and Chara, the way they, and Bergeron, the way they treat the kids. No wonder there's such a great chemistry there because uh, because of the way – they're they're blended into the group. Once you make the team, you're a Bruin, and that's pretty impressive. That's not the case with with lots of teams. So, I, I just love what they've done. To be quite honest, were you surprised, Doug, in the Cup final, the top line had as much difficulty as they did scoring? And you know, now that they've had already success to start the year, that's the same narrative. Okay, well now they can do it here, but wait till the playoffs and and where's the secondary scoring? Nobody's ever happy uh, now. You know, even though they've had a great five and one start. No. You know, look, the, look. It was a tough situation because uh, they came through in, in the previous series when they really needed, whether it was Toronto, whether it was the, the Blue Jackets, or whoever it was. But look, the the Blues were on a roll. I mean, they 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 had a lot of things going for them. I think so. I think you have to be careful. A lot of people got shut down by the Blues in the playoffs. And again, how how banged up were they? Look, I coached in the Stanley Cup Finals years ago, and I know how banged up every player was in that series. That's the one thing that shocked me about coaching in the Stanley cup finals was how banged up everybody was and how they get through that 20 plus game, uh, you know, grind to be quite honest. So I, I'm always careful to criticize guys when they're down the stretch in, in those critical games, because you don't know who was healthy and who wasn't, but I, I would never underestimate that group. I, I think they've got too much character and they're too good. Like pastor and four goals the other night, like, Seriously, I mean, this kid has got so much talent, and I know he got the luxury of playing with these other guys, but he 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 was a, a game changer in some really tough, critical games for them last year. So I I really like it. I saw I wouldn't get carried away. I, I don't look. It's such a grind to get to the finals. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be concerned about that. I really wouldn't. So we were just talking about Pasternak uh, before we had you on, and um, I mean, do you think he's the type of player now where he wouldn't necessarily need? 
uh, a Bergeron and Martian on his line to thrive? And where do you see his kind of ranking in the echelon of offensive players, goal scorers in the league right now? Well, it's funny. We redid that draft he was in. And I mean, seriously, have a look at the draft he went. And where would he be today if you mm-hmm. redid that draft? Like, seriously, he'd be at the top of the list. I mean, that that's what everybody thinks of him, not to mention the, the, the salary that they've got him on and the deal. Yeah. I think, you know, it's going to be really interesting. The question is, I was watching that Toronto series shift by shift. When Corrali came back in the Boston-Toronto series, it changed the series. Mm -hmm. It changed the series. He changed the the Columbus series with some big plays. So I love their bottom six. I think Sean's got to get into that third-line area. They need that second line is the big question mark. So – where does the second line go? Krejci is the veteran. Obviously, lots of challenges with injuries. DeBrusque, to me, is a second liner. You know, he's he's got to take a step. He will take a step. He's a talent kid. So I think he'll end up in there. Joachim Nordstrom, to me, is a really valuable two-way guy. As I mentioned, Sean, where do they find somebody else that's going to move into that top six group? To me, that's the challenge. And look, uh, Sweeney knows this because he tried to acquire, you know, he, he picked up Johansson he picked up at the deadline last year. I mean, he knows he needs another top six guy, and he hasn't been able to find that yet. He's got all year to find that piece, and he will. Yeah, in terms of Johansson, would you have uh, let him go? Because th- there was a debate in the offseason. They didn't have a whole lot of money to spend, obviously, with McAvoy and some others coming up. But uh, well, did it make sense that they, they couldn't pay the price to keep Marcus Johansson here? Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, he's a good he's a good player, and he played really well for them. But I think as the season goes on and they get a better feel for the cap situation and where they are and what other moves they can make, I think they can do as good or better than that as they move down the stretch this year. So I didn't have a problem with that move whatsoever. And again, I don't know the kids they have coming, but you know, to me, that's the one hole. Yep. You know that that number two right winger to fit into a, a dynamic top six. You know, where's Heinen fit in? Where does Coyle fit in? To me, they're not there yet. You know, Coyle, to me, is a third-line, fourth-line guy, although he's been good. And he came out of junior as a, as a, as a guy that was going to be a star. He looked better with Boston than he had the last couple of years with uh, Minnesota. He was rejuvenated, and he had a good finish. So I, I, I don't think there's a panic for them to fill that spot. And that's what I think they need. I don't know what Bob thinks or what Don thinks they need. Well, in terms of uh, Pasternak playing with Marshan and Bergeron, not to harp on it too much, Doug, but uh, did you ever have a situation when you coached or, or, or as an executive where you had a line and they sort of demanded to play together? There's this kind of belief that those guys don't want to be split up, uh, and it's a tough job for Cassidy as a young coach to be put in a position to, to force them to split up at key times or down the stretch. Yeah, look, I think you've got to experiment. I I think you've got to try them. and There's all kinds of opportunities where you can break them up, put them together. It's happened, you know, over time. I mean, you got Pittsburgh, Malkin, and Crosby go together once in a while. They're split up once in a while. you got Backstrom and Ovi who are split up. You know, you've got the big Wilson kid that moves into their top six and became a dominant uh, guy for them, a real important player for them. So, over the course of the year, I don't think there's anything wrong with breaking it up, splitting it up, moving people around, trying different scenarios. The problem as a coach, when you've won with that group and with that group being so good, you always say, I, 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 I got to come back to it to get me over the top here, you know, because 
coaching's different. Like it's every shift is a critical shift. You know, it's weird. We watch a game. We don't think anything of it, but when you're in the trenches and you're on the bench, every shift is a critical shift for you. So I can empathize with him why he loves them together and they've been so magical, but I still think it's important that you, you look at different options as the season goes on and you break them up, you put them together and not just Pasternak moving out the line, but Marchand and, and Bergeron with other people too. So I, I don't think it hurts a bit. So the Bruins have the lightning coming in here Thursday and we all know uh, what they went through last year. And just you know, what do you think they're facing this year as terms of uh, pressure and just, you know, to bounce back from what they went through last season? And how do you think they, they come, they pull through this? Well, look, there's a ton of pressure on them. I, I talked to John Cooper in August and, you know, we're just, just BSing, but Look, uh, you lose the way they lost. I mean, guys, that was unbelievable. You you, you start off game one with a three nothing uh, lead in period one, and you lose four straight. Like it's unbelievable. Right. And then you look at the talent base they have and what they've what they've sort of done. There is a ton of pressure on them to have success. But look, uh, you know, I watched them play the Leafs the other night, and you look at Braden Point comes in and Kucherov and Palat and Gord and Stamkos and on and on Tyler Johnson, their bottom six is dynamic. You know, their kid, Sergachev, is starting to take a big step. McDonough is, has played real well for them since he's gone there from the Rangers, and Hedman's a horse. So, I And, and the goaltending, look, he was a goaltender by Bobrovsky. There's no doubt about that. Vasilevsky's got to be better. He's capable of being better. They're a contender, guys. They're a contender just with the talent level they have right now. There's no way they're not a contender. So it'll be interesting to see. But, look, when you lose like they lost last year, that is a bitter, bitter pill to, stru- to yeah. swallow. Like, seriously, it was awful. So what do you what do you, what do you kind of gauge from Cooper about how he's handling it and how he's you know alleviating that pressure from them? Look, he's, he's had a good run as a coach. There's no denying that. You know, they've gone to the conference final. They've, you know, they've had some good success. But... For John, uh, you know this is a this is a this is the biggest challenge of his coaching career. Sure, he he's got to get this group over the top here, and it's a good look. You you look at the East; there's a lot of really good teams, a lot of improved teams. It's not going to be easy to get out of the East because Boston's going to be tough, Toronto's going to be tough, Florida should be better, Tampa's going to be better. A lot of teams are going to be much better. So I I ugh, it's not an easy situation, but. They've got to have success, and if they don't, there's going to be some changes there. I was going to ask you about Florida, your old team. Uh, there was some hype about them before the year. Not the best start, and then there's the Sabres, who have had a great start. Of those two teams, are either contenders, as, as you see them? Well, Buffalo surprised me a little bit. You know, I mean, they've got some talent there, and it's been a long grind, and they, they should be better. But when I look at the Florida Panthers, you know, you start with the veteran uh, you know, the veteran coach, so that's, that's, you know, that's a plus. Joel... This is a big test for Joel. Joel's, Joel's had sort of a, a pretty good run from, uh, you know, coaching Colorado uh, when they were unbelievably good, uh, coaching St. Louis when they're a good team, to getting a, a dynasty in Chicago. This is his biggest coach's challenge. He's got a goaltender there in Bobrovsky. They're paying $10 million to. He's won one playoff round in his career. Like, are you kidding me? This guy has won <laughs> one playoff round in his career? I mean, it, so, you know, it, there's a ton of pressure there in Florida. The, the owner has stepped up. Give Vinny Viola full marks here. 
But you know what? I, I look and I say, okay, Barkov is a star. He's a star, boys. Yeah. Uh, Dadunov, Uberto, Hoffman can score. I love Trochuk. Conley's a nice addition. They got some good kids there. A, a Chari seems to be a decent fit in their bottom six. They're playing Ekblad a ton already. They're having trouble getting Pisic, uh, Pisic or whatever his name is into the lineup. Yeah. Matheson's a good player. Yandel, Stroman. I, I mean, they've got to be a good team. They got to look. If they don't make the playoffs, this is a disaster. Yeah, this will be a disaster if they don't make the playoffs. And I've got them in. I'm, I've got them making it. All right, and just one last thing: we can't get, we can't let you go without getting your opinion on the Leafs and what uh, what Kyle did did there with this team. And now, what uh, I mean, can they? Can they? We had you know Don Cherry joined us last week. He talked about the toughness the way he had on hockey Who night in Canada you last week. Don Cherry. Who joined you last week? <laughs> Holy, this is a big time show. It is a big time saying. show. So you know, wow. you know, we know. We, we only get the greatest guests. Go. You know, so uh, <laughs> what, what, what's your opinion of uh, of of Toronto and are, are they a legitimate Stanley Cup contender? Okay, listen, I bought out Andrew Castles. Okay, when I was in Columbus, yep. and I got blasted by my owner because of I we owed him four hundred fifty thousand bucks over like two years. Okay. So the cap is 81. They can go to 91 by picking up Clarkson and, and yep. Hort. So they've got 91 million they're putting out. So they go to 81 million cap. Or I should say they're putting out 81 so they go down to where the cap is. Right. Like it's a joke, okay, that they can, they have this luxury. I mean, I'd love to hear Sweeney go to Jacobs and say, hey, we're <laughs> going to do this. We're going to pick up this $10 million in salary. And, uh, you know, so we can we can work through this. And, like, what owner? What owner would do that anyway? The Leafs do. That's the luxury because because of the market they're in and the money they've got. So Kyle did a good job considering, you know, what he had to do to get guys signed. Forty four plus million for four guys. Right. It's going to be unbelievably tough. They better win. They better win with Morgan Riley coming up down the road with the goaltending coming up down the road. New deals. Uh, I think the kid on the blue line is up after this year, yep. Tyson Berry. I mean, how do they keep him? They've got to win. They're a good team. Babcock's under the gun. Um, they, they, you know, they, look, it was a good playoff series against Boston last year. They played pretty hard. Uh, Kadri helped them get over the top, no doubt about that. That was a monumental loss. They should be a real good team. They should be right in contention. But the bottom line is, do they play the way you have to play to win a playoff time? And right now they haven't shown me that they're capable of that. Now, mm-hmm. will that change? Babcock's been trying to drill it in their head for three years. <laughs> That's got to change for them to play that playoff-style game. And uh, we'll see if they do. But they're a talented group. Good team. I like things Kyle has done. Even everybody wants to rip uh, Babber now, but Babcock's a good coach. Uh, so I, I think they're going to be in the mix. Well, enjoy the beach. Uh, if yeah. you, I mean, it sounds like a, a pretty good life. We'd love, to hear, we'd love to hear you back on a regular basis if that's what you want, but uh, <laughs> the beach ain't bad either. Anytime, guys. Give me a call anytime. All right. Thank thanks you, a lot, Doug. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Good luck with the show, guys. Thanks. Really appreciate it. All right, there he goes, Doug McLean. Uh, he didn't rip Toronto the way you wanted to there at the end. I mean, you, you were fishing for some. No, but at least he's, you know, everyone, he's realistic, and I like the realistic of some of these people and not uh, most of the pom-pom waivers in Toronto who uh, think they're going to be, you know, covering a team until June and not have to watch the Blue Jays until then, you know? Well, I do like just the, the way he paints the picture of the Atlantic. And first of yeah. all, the fact that he has the Panthers in 
uh, makes it if, if he's right, it's going to be all the more tough. Sure. But these games coming up tonight, the home and home with Toronto, the pressure that Babcock's under, the pressure that Florida is under to win this year, the pressure that Tampa is on, and Boston's under pressure too. I mean, it's a great start to the year, but uh, okay, but all so, these teams are in the grinder. But I would say that they're probably got the third. The third most amount of pressure behind Tampa and Toronto. I don't don't you think? I don't know. The way this crazy thing is going, Mm -hmm. it's like you can you can sense it. I mean, McLean is right. They have they have an obvious hole, and Krejci's injury issue now. He's got lower and upper body issues already. Uh, we know Bergeron. He's probably right about the Cup final last year. Bergeron probably wasn't healthy. That's right. prob- probably a huge reason. Yeah. Well, they- I mean, I'm I'm 100 certain that Pasternak wasn't. And okay, you know, that's what I go. wrote this week. And people, oh, he's just he still should have shown up as if you know he wasn't trying. You know, I mean, this is the way things go. But I think, yeah, I mean, so I I would probably rank the behind. They have a lot of pressure, but I would rank the between behind Tampa and Toronto. Yeah. In terms of the right. fact that I mean, well, if one of those teams really flops. There's going to be some changes in right. both those places. Right. Here, you're not going to see Bruce Cassidy or Don Sweeney walk the plank if this team loses uh, in the second round or something. No, you know? but if Krejci and Chara leave, and you're left with uh, you know what's left of Bergeron, and I'm not trying to paint a doomsday scenario, oh, but yeah, you but, said we agree to your window. You yeah, and Pete absolutely to your window. Exactly. So it's 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 difficult right now. But uh, I mean, even Florida being in doesn't make me think it's that much harder because I think I'm, I think we're relegating them to wild card status. I think Buffalo is. Fake Buffalo will be out. They might stay in the race a little bit, but they're not going to be able to hold, hold it up the way they're doing it now. Yeah, and uh, so that'll that'll clear things up. And that metropolitan division, I don't think you're worried about anybody threatening for wild card spots there. I mean, there might be one sneaks in, but it's uh, not that difficult. It, it'll be nice now to have some divisional games instead of these, uh, you know, yeah, the West Coast basically trip. glorified exhibitions against teams that are, you're not fighting for points with. So that'll be helpful too. And uh, you know, maybe they'll find some secondary scoring. I mean, I think. Bruce Cassidy said something interesting on Wednesday saying that maybe part of their the cure for the second period issues will be playing against teams that can score <laughs> and maybe oh. they'll have to face a deficit and maybe they'll have to just play a little better in those periods be more on their game more focused you know playing against obviously I mean Colorado and Vegas are probably the only teams based on the records now you look at Dallas they're not looking as good right now as they might have been going into opening night yeah, maybe uh, in the Colorado game they took a two nothing lead. Right. right. Well, yeah. I'm just I'm just saying that these teams are more threatening. Oh yeah, and so it'll make it harder. Obviously, Jersey they're they're yeah. kind of uh, maybe the biggest disappointment in the league right now. So um, it, it'll be good. It'll probably be good for them to get some real competition, and it'll also be an interesting test. Through uh, the first six games, ten of the sixteen Boston goals in the first period. I yeah, mean, the unbelievable starts. And, and what eleven of them from the top, from the top line. So, you know, this there's certainly enough to look at. And, uh, again, the defense hasn't been uh, brilliant. Um, the, 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 the McAvoy, Carlo, uh, they've had their issues. I think maybe the best all-around defenseman through six games is Grizzlick. Oh, I thought you were going to say Char. Wiggy, no. Wiggy was going to burst through the no. door. <laughs> <laughs> no, Grizzlick has been excellent, he's been and he's been cast in more defensive roles down the stretch in games. He's He's played with Carlo a little bit, uh, closing out games. So that's you a good were the sign. ultimate Grizzly hater last year. Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm you as fickle were. as they come. So now I can, you know, put on a Grizzly <laughs> jersey. No, but I mean, it's great because you know what? Down at some point, if you have to, re- if you have to, at some point, you think you have to trade something good to get this top six guy that's going to f- finish that top six, right? Yeah, right. So it's not always going to be the Ryan Donato. You're not always going to be full people into taking your Ryan Donatos and your draft picks. And we know the Bruins can't be trading the first round picks and the second round picks every year if they want to be able to sustain this success once th- this core is gone. So you, at some point you're better off getting rid of a, a, a good veteran, a grizzly type, than you are getting rid of draft picks because you have to look to the future a little bit. In terms of, back, just back to Pasternak for a second. 
Now, he's 23. He's played in 326 games. He has 294 points. So, I mean, he's like a, almost a point-per-game player here. Yeah. He's off to a great start. And in terms of uh, Doug McLean mentioned the salary he's under, that's always going to be a, 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 an unbelievable part of it. What about the character? Because, you know, he seems like a genuine good guy. He, now, he had the one issue, he the one notable confrontation he had was with you, right? Didn't he stare you down last year? What was the question uh, you two asked? Years well, he two said, years ago, he said it was a dumb question. He told me I had a dumb question. But I, So when that happened, I'm yeah. thinking, oh, we go. Here, here comes Bryce Harper. You know what I mean? <laughs> but nothing. But, but there's since no such then, thing as that in hockey almost these well, days, James especially. Yeah. <laughs> Who's leading the league in goals right now. So he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, Isn't it great they call him <laughs> real deal when he's the biggest fraud? That's what I know. Um, no, but yeah, character is not. I mean, what, do you? Mean, but he seems like a legitimate, like always upbeat, yeah. always happy. I mean, he's, he's having a lot of success I think, right now. You know, as opposed to maybe some North American players that are spoiled growing up, especially nowadays. Um, this guy really came from uh, middle to um, you know lower middle class Czech family, right? right. So he's single, hockey player. single mom when his his father passed away. You know, kind of early in his life. So. He's really fought for everything. You know, went to play uh, in, in Europe while he was. Uh, I think he went to play in, in Switzerland or Sweden, right? And uh, so he, he's taken responsibility for himself. And yeah, he's paid his dues and problems. He's just for a, a kid, while. right? Exactly. Yeah. And he's it, that's the thing too. You look at the way they moved him around so much: World Juniors, Providence, Boston, all around the place. Um, he's easygoing too. I don't think of the three guys. I don't think he's the one demanding to play with anybody else. He's the one who just goes wherever he wants to and. And he's had to learn the game, and you know, wearing salmon suits. I, I mean, he's... Far, you know, far be it for me to say this, but I think the, the time he spent under Claude Julian learning how to play oh, a two way game is uh, for the dump button is worthy. Is worthy, and now Bruce Cassidy has carried that on. You know, you have to learn all aspects of the game, and he understood that. And no one's ever, no one's ever accused him of dogging it. You know, hockey sense is one thing; you have to learn to to, to be in the right places. But he's always given a hundred percent hustle. Well, the last Bruin to score fifty is Cam Neely. 1994. Well, it's going to be a race now, I guess, because normally you would have said going to the arrow, it's going to be Marshan, but now Pasternak might be the one, and Marshan might be setting him up too much. He might need to start hogging the puck a little bit if he if he wants to be the one to get the 15. And and, and you know that's um, that power play enough along right. alone is going to get him there. I mean, that number one power play is the number one power play in the league by far, and uh, he's going to be the recipient, the, the, you know, the recipient of most of the those those great setups and. As long as that one timer from the from the dot is going, we know it's not going to become predictable because Ovechkin's been doing it for more than a decade, and That's no one true. no one can stop it, right? Even I saw Stamco score uh, Tuesday night right. against Montreal. Stamkos Same too. exact game Exactly, there are just certain uh, areas of the ice where guys can uh, can score from, and you can't do anything about it, no matter what your you know what your strategy is. So uh, there's no reason to believe that's going to change. And um, yeah, at some point, maybe he does. Maybe he winds up being a good fit for Coyle. If Krejci's out, maybe they have to mix it up and put him with Coyle to make two lines. And y- you never know. Uh, who's been better so far, Tuca or Yarrow? <laughs> Three and overs, two and one. So I guess Tuca. I'll really spice up this podcast and say Yarrow. Of course, it's right. Yarrow. Well, he was awesome Saturday. He night. is awesome. I mean, they're both Saturday great. Afternoon. And it's, a, it's Monday afternoon. This is why we talked about last week. He is the one you want to uh, lock up. He's the next guy to sign, not Krug or Coyle. It's it's Hawk. Oh, you think that's a possibility? They like, have like, to. Like over, you're saying to keep the tandem. They have to keep the tandem Would Halak for one more year at least. Well, I don't know. I mean, he came here knowing this is the way it's going to be, does he think he can play a, be a 60-game guy somewhere? Because that's the only reason you would leave, right? You wouldn't go somewhere else to share time. You're going to get that much more money at this point in your career? Yeah, maybe not. I, I don't know. I don't, a have a f- I don't have a read on him. He's one of the few goalies that have come here that is kind of aloof and doesn't talk much, and so 
I don't have a personal feeling about him, but what he would want to do. But considering he was willing to, in the prime of his career, come here and become part of a tandem, yeah. do you really want to go somewhere where it might not work out as well? I mean, let's face it, the Bruins' defense has helped him a lot. I mean, that's that's why the Bruins signed him. Yeah, They looked at the grade-A chances the Islanders were giving up, and the Bruins said, well, if we don't give up all these grade-A chances, this goal is going to be pretty good, and it's worked out on both ends, right? So, uh, Brett Ritchie, you were trolling his hit stats <laughs> on, tw- on Twitter. I don't know. I mean, I haven't – I mean, I – I, I I write a lot of notes during a game, and so at the end when I don't when I haven't written a guy's number down too much, I kind of say, okay, where was this guy? And then I look at the sheet and see four four hits, four hits, and I say, oh, I guess that looks kind of generous. But you know what? <laughs> the, there was a competition in the game Monday to see who was the worst Richie because I thought until he got the assist in the third period, Nick Richie was just as bad. They so. did the feature on Nesson too. I was like, <laughs> they yeah, did, yeah, they did. Oh, maybe it jinxed them. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what the future of that guy is. I, yeah, I, this is the future. I mean, someone on on Twitter, I, I believe it's someone we've we've talked about before, Pat Laverty, pretty insightful kind of Twitter follower we have, said they want him around to be the Pat Maroon of the playoffs. You know, once the game gets to the grind, you throw him in there and he bangs some bodies. Um, it's a matter of how much you have to play him in the regular season to keep him in shape, to keep him sharp, to do that. Right. Uh, but no doubt, we know that the, the the mode is to build one team for the season, one team for the playoffs. He could be part of that playoff team, and uh, maybe he just ends up being the 13th forward for a lot of the season. Only plays against heavy teams and gets you through, but uh, yeah, he hasn't really shown much. Well, wrapping it up, I mean, I, this is a cliche to say in sports radio, but we'll find out a lot more about this team in a That's week. Right. Uh, but we will. I'm looking forward to the next week's episode to digest two with Toronto and, of course, Tampa coming up on yep. Thursday night. Toronto's always eventful, so it's going to be an exciting Are you going to go? Are you going to st- openly troll in Maple Leaf Square? I mean, I think you... <laughs> I think you owe it to them to show your face after the just the, the abuse you've given them. And, of course, I deserve it, too. Austin Matthews has, what, nine goals or something? I don't know. He's yeah, off to a lot to start. Let's see what he does in the playoffs. Pants are still uh, uh, still up so far for a couple weeks through the season. So uh, looking forward to it. Check out Kalman, of course, uh, uh, on Twitter, at Matt Kalman, and he is the WEI Bruins man. See you next week.